Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. It is officially July, y'all, and I am so excited to be gearing up for our upcoming Bossed Up Bootcamp, our weekend-long training program for women navigating career transition coming up in just four weekends in Chicago, Illinois. I'm thrilled to see so many of you have already snagged your tickets. This is going to be a really special boot camp. I always find the month of July to just be a perfect time just over halfway through the year to really step back and do some deep thinking, deep planning, and deep community building work for all of us to gather together and hone in on what it is we want to get out of our careers and lives and how we can hit the ground running with the rest of the year to make the most of our time and to make the most of our power, right? Our energy. Because for any of you who've been running yourselves ragged lately, and I can raise my hand on that one because this Boss Up Book Tour thing was no easy feat. I feel like we get to this halfway point in the year and we kind of collapse (laughs) or catch our breath or go on vacation. And hopefully you're doing all of those things, but we don't have to push ourselves to the brink of burnout every time. We can, in fact, be really deliberate and really strategic in how we set ourselves up for sustainable success through the rest of the year. And that's what Boss Up Bootcamp is all about. We've got a weekend-long program with myself, with an intimate group of women. This is not a large conference. This is an intimate-style workshop at the incredible woman-owned co-working space Ampersand in the beautiful and historic Chicago neighborhood of Logan Square. And I'll be joined by our Boss up team of trainers, local practitioners, women from all over the country who are coming in to work with you, women who you can go deeper with if you find that mindfulness and happiness or love and relationships or honing your boss sense of style is where you want to go further. We've got trainers and practitioners and industry experts who are there to work with you and who are there to continue working with you. If you'd like to continue connecting with them after the weekend is over, we then follow up Boss Up Bootcamp with six weeks of intensive follow-up. You'll leave with all kinds of new tools to implement in your career and life toolbox. And it can take a little while for all of the lessons of one intense weekend to really set in and really manifest in your life. So I'm there to continue holding you accountable to your biggest, most audacious dreams for your career and your vision for the rest of your life. So just know that this is the beginning of a transformational shift. If that's something you're craving, if you want clarity in terms of the direction you're heading in, make sure to register to join us now. And one of the most interesting and innovative solutions I've seen floated 
in the zeitgeist, right, in the thought leadership world around how women can set themselves up for sustainability, avoid burnout, and achieve the kind of work-life balance that we all crave, right, that we all want to have happy, healthy, and sustainable lives is something known as job sharing. Now, I first heard about job sharing when Melissa Nicholson, today's incredible guest, who is the founder of WorkMuse, reached out to me to grab a cup of coffee when I was going to be in Austin a couple years back. And I remember her introducing this concept to me, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little skeptical. I was like, who's going to share their job with someone else? How does that work exactly? How do we make that you know, beneficial for everyone? And she has sincerely opened my eyes to the world of possibility that comes with job sharing. And so today, I invited Melissa to join me on the Bossed Up podcast to introduce this concept to all of you as an innovative, creative solution to overwork and burnout culture that doesn't require putting your career on the back burner, that doesn't take you off track of a high-octane, high-ambition, high-impact career. And there's a lot of nuance to this and how we make it happen. So Melissa is here to help break it all down. Now, Melissa is the founder and CEO of WorkMuse, which is a job share solutions firm that drives the adoption of job sharing in business as a competitive advantage while also helping individuals find work-life balance. Melissa, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. So you are the boss behind WorkMuse. Tell us a little bit about what WorkMuse does and what job sharing is all about. Sure. WorkMuse is a job share company. And what that means is we do two things. We help people create successful, rewarding job shares for themselves and get into job share arrangements. And we help companies design sustainable job share programs that are available to all employees. That is so fantastic. How did you find yourself coming to this kind of work? So I worked in the radio industry right after college, Mm -hmm. and then I left and started a video production company and co-founded a video production company and then did that for five years. When my husband and I were planning to start a family, we basically realized, okay, we need to have two sources of income. Insurance was kind of a mess in Texas at that time. And I really returned to the radio industry because I had seen job share teams when I worked in radio before. I was really young and I wasn't even about to plan having kids, but I'd seen other people job sharing and thought, oh my gosh, I need to get back into this. And maybe if I work extremely hard and prove myself, I can work myself into a job share arrangement. And I was just really, really lucky to be able to do it myself. I feel like so many of us can relate. Raising children without dual income is such a rare thing in this world. Or even just like being part of a household without a dual income is such a rare thing in this world. So what are some of the biggest benefits you've seen about this idea of actually taking one job and dividing it between two different people, which I think to so many of us sounds impossible? What are the benefits and how do you make something like that happen? So the benefits are huge. The benefits are huge for you, for your work-life balance, and the benefits are huge for the employer. So basically, when you're job sharing, 
essentially two people are sharing one job in my circumstance and case. And what I advocate for other people is we both had full-time benefits. Mm. We worked a three-day work week with one full day of overlap on Wednesdays. That's when we had all of our our important, our shared one-on-one meetings with our boss. That's when the big meetings for our company happened. And basically we divided and conquered or just like, or just ruled meetings together. And people are so much more at ease Mm. when there are two people sitting in front of them, talking with them. And if one person kind of loses their train of thought, the other one fills in. So it's just this amazing way to work. And truly, like most people get into job sharing because the flexibility, right? You've got the ability to work in a part-time capacity in a high impact role. And that is typically a difference when people are working in a part-time capacity is that they either have locked themselves into a certain pay and a certain number of hours and then end up working much more than those hours they've negotiated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or their work piles up. And the kind of amazing thing about job sharing is that you have got this extra brain, this extra person, your right arm, and (laughs) (laughs) it's true. And you've got this awesome, basically kick-ass partner who takes care of everything while you're not there. So you can literally take off your work hat, come Wednesday afternoon or come Friday afternoon and hand it over to someone else and have them take the charge for the next four days. And you're able to leave work completely behind, unplug, rest, recharge, and come back renewed, excited for what you're doing the next week. And how are you going to rock it? (laughs) Yeah. And that reminds me, that benefit reminds me of how Glynis McNichol once described burnout in a piece that went pretty viral in Elle magazine. She described landing this amazing executive, high-level publishing job. And as she stepped into this role, you know, she was super excited and fired up, like so many of us are when we are fueling our ambition. And then not shortly thereafter, right, not too long afterwards, she found herself completely burnt out, staring out the window of her high-rise corner office watching the waste like the waste management folks taking out the trash and feeling envious of their ability to go home and clock out. And that desire to be able to clock out is something that so many of our workplaces aren't able to meet right now because of the 24-hour news cycle we're in or because of that pressure to be always available or seen as less than committed, the idea of having kind of like a relay race where you can hand that baton off to a partner is so helpful for staving off burnout and knowing you can rest assured someone else has got it from here. Yeah. And it's not just someone else. It's your partner. It's someone who's completely got your back, who has your best interest at heart. And the truth is that when people are job sharing, they're also working in a different way. It's just a different style of work. It is not for people who really just want to check out of their job and only be there part-time because their priorities are elsewhere. It's for highly committed employees 
who are supercharged and excited for their work because you are working a hyper-focused work week, but Mm. usually typically three days a week. I mean, it's very, the structure is very flexible and it can be done many different ways, but typically you're working a three-day work week and you're working in this hyper-focused, very kind of efficient way. And you never want to leave your partner You don't ever want your partner coming in and going, what happened here the last three days? So you're hyper accountable to one another. How do you find and maintain that kind of a partnership? Like what's worked best for you and your experience and finding a partner like that isn't easy. How do you maintain that relationship? Yes. So this is one of the things that holds a lot of people up from job sharing. First of all, most people have never even heard of job sharing. They don't even know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Then when they hear about it, like when I job shared, I'd have friends go, well, what do you do? And I'd say, oh, I work in radio advertising sales. And they'd go, that's great. And I job share. What the heck's that? And I'd explain what it was and they'd go, oh my God, that sounds amazing. The best of both worlds, right? And I was like, yeah, it kind of is. (laughs) But people really are held up from doing it because they're afraid to ask their boss for something that their boss probably has never heard about or really doesn't know that much about. They're afraid to advocate for themselves for their own flexibility. And they kind of don't see that partner around them and they don't know what to look for. Yeah. And job sharing has been gendered and parented in the past because what happens, it's uh, highly employee driven. So what happens is an employee hits a rock and a hard place. They've been working 50 hours a week and the something has changed in their life and there is no way they can continue. So they either have twins, they become a parent and have twins. They may have a kid with special needs. They may be sandwich generation. Something has changed. And this is typically women because I'm sure as your audience knows, women are the primary caregivers to kids. And then with aging parents, up to 90% of caregivers in the U.S. to aging parents are women. So even women who don't have kids are going to hit this mid to senior level at that point in their career. They're looking for some kind of an answer, how to stay engaged in their career, and they hit upon job sharing. So really, it's the holdup for a lot of people is finding that right partner. It doesn't have to be, if you're a mom, it doesn't have to be someone who is a mom. It doesn't have to be, your reasons do not have to match at all. People who job share and do well job sharing, it is a personal and work style fit. People who do really well in this are people who are organized, people who enjoy working in a small team environment, people who are high trust and trusting and trustworthy. So they let people into their lives and they are trusting of other people because you are really trusting your partner to take the reins half the week. And you're a team, you're a we mentality when you job share. Are there certain positions, Melissa, that lend themselves better to job sharing arrangements than others? Well, I will tell you this. I will tell you that the research shows that job sharing works in almost any kind of position. The deciding factor is if it's a good work style fit for you, a personal fit for you. But it also works particularly well in fast paced, high demand, high burnout professions. And the reason is 
at the exact point that you're fried, and it may be like that you're in the healthcare profession too, and that you have all of this emotional labor tied to your job. Yeah. You're able to hand it off and have the other person take over so you can go rest, recharge, and return to work mm. excited again. But the other part of that is that you have that other person who's your emotional support, your partner. Say that you're a teacher and you're a job share team who's teaching and you've got a particular like a child who has a difficult home situation or something is really, and you're trying to figure it out, you are able to sit down with your partner and figure it out together. Like, how can we best help this student? So there are some really interesting things that happen from that synergy that you have and working toward your strengths. And that's what you're looking for in a partner. You're looking for someone who you're highly compatible with that has a very similar value set that you do, that has a similar philosophy toward work, and that you can see yourself working with. It's a gut feeling, right? Sure. So how would you bring this to a HR department? Like, how would you raise this with a boss? Let's say you've both been working as committed people in a high intensity, rapid paced environment. This has never been done before at your workplace, which is not uncommon, right? right? That's the the majority of us. Mm -hmm. So how do you present this to your company in a way that's win 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 for everybody and and what is the what is the like what are the numbers how do we make this work financially too can you share a little bit about that Absolutely. So the way that you present this to your company and the best way to get a job share approved is for you as a high performing team member to make the business case to your manager. It helps if you already have sourced a job share partner and you found somebody, whether they're from within the company or outside of the company, that you can share your job with. And um, so what you want to really do in that business case is not only show them how will you share this job, that you've thought through how your work days will be divided, which areas are going to be your areas of responsibility that you're more the lead on that maybe are your strengths and which areas are going to be kind of like your partner is the lead on because they're going to work toward their strengths and which things are shared responsibilities. So which risk responsibilities are shared and divided. And you're going to do this based on not only not your needs, your personal needs, but the needs of the role and the needs of the company. And then you want to position it in terms of the value set that the company has. If your company, you look toward their mission statement and you look for the company values and most companies are pretty explicit about what they value as a company. Do they value wellness? Do they value collaboration? Do they value innovation? You really look toward those things that can speak toward their language, their words, where they can see, oh, this really seems like it aligns with some of our organization's values and might be a good practice. So you're showing them, you're taking care of the worries and concerns that a manager might have. Truth be told, it is much easier to get into a job share arrangement if you are at, have been at a job, proved your value, have been there a while, you put together the business case, you gauge it, you drip and talk and 
and, you know, ask questions to your boss, engage their openness to flexible work and see if they've ever heard of job sharing. And then you take care of the worries and concerns that they will have by presenting the business case and showing them how your job share will work with the research and data to show them how they're going to get highly productive, super loyal, very happy employees who will stay for years. And the kind of hidden thing is that people come in and leave jobs, right? Mm -hmm. But, and the same is true in a job share, but those job share partners, they're sharing much more. So they're sharing their income, their professional and their personal lives overlap in many ways, right? Right, right, right. One job share partner, partner leave for any reason, you know, something's changed in their personal life. Should one job share partner leave, what happens is the other job share partner will um, help recruit a new partner. If not cover, right? Like, you know, you've got the skill, you've got the talent there. It's always a negotiable, like, hey, can you go full time for a month while we interview the replacement, right? Like from an employer standpoint, and I hear from employers all the time, I'm meeting with someone tomorrow who's got a 30% turnover rate and is having a really tough time holding on to talent. And we're talking high performing top talent, right? In this very competitive economic environment. If you have someone who has negotiated for and landed a job share arrangement, that person's not going to go away. <laughs> They're gonna, I mean, obviously they come and go, but I wouldn't <laughs> leave that shit behind if you could actually get what you want, right? That's a big deal. Absolutely. To give you an example, so I told you that I worked in the radio industry. The radio industry is insane. It never turns off. It's 24-7. It's the perfect kind of place for job sharing to happen. And that's why I think there is some job sharing in that industry. There are a lot of female sales reps. And uh, anyway, I stayed in my job. I started my job when I was 30. I left when I was 40. I stayed 10 years. Wow. And then yeah. 10, I stayed five years long. So I was job sharing almost nine of those 10 years. In that time, I stayed probably five years longer than I would have due to the job share. Mm -hmm. I was probably ready. I had outgrown. I was just ready for that next phase in life. And I really wanted to find, and a lot of people come to this where they're like, what's my purpose? What am I going to really like give over to this world? And I loved presenting marketing solutions and helping my clients, whether they were direct clients or working with ad agencies. But I was really ready for something else. But I stayed so long because I had full-time benefits for my family. I had 60% vacation and sick time. And um, we split our commission 50-50. But within one year of job sharing, I was making just as much as I did working full-time. We were so productive and efficient. Wow. So you are splitting a salary and you're sharing benefits. You've got full health coverage and all that, those good things. But then you're splitting sick time and PTO, it sounds like. Well, you know, those are accrued. So if you're working a 60% work week, you accrue those. Right. And honestly, there's a hidden benefit. If you're working in a traditional job share where you're working three consecutive days and the other partner is working three consecutive days, my partner and I, and this takes a little like brain work and math work, and that is not my strong suit. (laughs) (laughs) If you flip a week with your job share partner, like you switch one of the weeks, 
You can take full, you can take 13 full days away from work right? and you only have to take three vacation days and your employer only loses an employee for two days out of that 13 oh, days right. you're gone. I get that. Damn. So you never even have to take all your vacation days, even Whoa. though you only have 60%. So at the end of the year, my partner and I were always trying to figure out how to burn. I love it. Who wants to be my co-CEO? <laughs> I love that. Seriously, the co-CEO thing is real and is great. And there are some amazing, there are some amazing startups that are actually the co-CEOs are job share partners. Oh, right, 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 right. That's interesting. I mean, there are people who do this in the UK. There are people who are part of the Green Party that do this. There are lawmakers who do this, men and women. So it's an amazing way way to work. And it's just helping people figure out like, is it right for you? Right. How do you find a partner? And how do you have those conversations and just make sure, okay, this is a good fit. And how long do we see ourselves job sharing? What are our goals for doing this? And what are our marks of success? And what are our check-ins? And how are we going to set up our systems and make sure that like when we start job sharing, we've got our communication system and our handover system in place so that it's very smooth for all the stakeholders involved. Because mm. that's really important. And um, people get real hung up. The, the stakeholders, the people around you get real hung up on like, what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to communicate twice to this person. I'm going to have to double manage. And in reality, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. I mean, I feel like all of those logistics are, are totally manageable. You know, communication practices, how we share an inbox, how we manage incoming questions. Like that seems surmountable in a very understandable way if you're organized yeah. about it and you've got systems and processes. It doesn't surprise me that you spent from years 30 to 40 doing this because this sounds like an option, not necessarily for someone at the very start of their career who's trying to prove themselves, who's trying to make a name for themselves. This sounds like a great option for someone who has already proven their capacity, proven their worthiness. And perhaps, here's a radical notion, perhaps work isn't the number one most important thing in your life for this particular True. time <laughs> in your career. Because if you have outside obligations of any kind, which we all do, and at some point those become a top priority, it is okay to say I'm doing this job share thing because of that in my life. We just don't want to make the business case to our employers that way. But it's okay to make the case to ourselves that putting myself in a job share environment may not supercharge my career. But what you're saying, if I understand your point correctly, it's better than off-ramping completely and trying to on-ramp back later. 43% of women end totally like off-ramping or not only just off-ramping. So they basically are like getting out totally or they're downgrading their career, right? Permanently. And it's really hard to come back from that, right? Only 2% intended to once they had kids though. So that's shocking to me. Like, okay, 43% of women do this after they become yeah, after they become parents, but only 2% ever intended to do to not work full time or to not continue in their career and keep it going, right? This is a brilliant way to keep your career going. You do take a hit to income. But if you have full time, if you can negotiate, and what I tell people is I really advocate for people to negotiate everything up front, you'll never get it on the back end. So you need to make the business case, show them how productive 
how efficient and the retention part of that story, what amazing results they're going to get from the synergy of two. And they're basically getting two employees in one position, two employees who make a super employee who have different strengths and who professionally develop one another. If you can, uh, show them those things up front. I want you to get your full-time benefits. I want you to get the percentage of sick and vacay that you deserve based on the percentage of hours you work. You are going to take a cut to income, but if you work a 60% work week and your partner's working a 60% work week, we want to pro rata your salary. If you're a salaried, not a commissioned person, we want to up that salary to 120%. The research shows that job share that job share teams are up to 30% more productive than full-time employees. 71% of job share teams are promoted as a team together. So while you might be taking a little bit of a cut to income in exchange for like four days of your week back every single week of your life and really being able to unplug, not check email, not to engage in your life, you are also able to move up in your career and be promoted together. So, yeah. I just want to underscore what you just said, that job share teams are 30% more productive than regular employees. That is the business case to bring to your employer. So what you're saying is, let's say a position paid $80,000 as a salary. Yep. If you want mm-hmm. to transition into a job share position, you're not going to say, hey, pay me $40,000 a year. You're going to boost that salary to, let's say, 100000 and make the argument as to why two people deserve 50K to do that one 80K job because you're right. going to be bringing 60% to the week each of you. The truth is that those partners are so motivated and so accountable to one another, they become right. hyper accountable. I would certainly be more productive if I was sharing my job with someone and we were each tag teaming things. That is so, it's like the buddy system. It makes it more fun too. So those partners are just super excited to be there. But truthfully, okay, to give you just, to put it back to my personal example. So nobody required me to be in the office more than eight hours a day for those three days. I typically worked And it was on me, like, this is how I wanted to work. My partner was a little different, and that was fine, too. I typically worked seven to seven, three days a week. I was the last person to be called for childcare. I did not take lunches. I mean, I didn't take long two-hour lunches or anything. I was usually taking a lunch at my desk. And I didn't schedule doctor's appointments and all those extra little things that when you are a parent, you, you do need to fit in usually in between your working hours. Everything was hyper-focused those three days on work. And then I was able to literally hand my hat off, put my life hat back on, and completely focus on my life for four days. So those three days, my husband was the first person that daycare called. My mother was the second person. My mother-in-law was the third person. And I was the fourth person if a baby got sick at daycare who needed to be picked up. And that was just how it is. They didn't even know me at the daycare. They really (laughs) thought that my husband was awesome. Right. (laughs) That should be more often. Honestly, good on your daycare for actually knowing the order of operations too. Because so many of my friends, like the woman is by default the first call. And you're like, why? There's this amazing thing too that happened. And it didn't hit me until I was listening to a podcast with Anne-Marie Slaughter's husband. Yeah. 
And he was talking about how they do this thing where they, one person will be the lead parent and then the other person will focus on their career and the other, and they'll switch, right? Yeah. So it really hit me. I was listening to this episode and it was right after I left my job to start WordMuse. And I was like, oh my God, my kids have had the best of both worlds, of both parents, of completely equal co-parents. And it was then that I was thinking about it and I was like, well, for three days a week, my husband was the lead parent. He had his own way of doing things. He picked up the kids. He made lunches. He did everything that they needed. He was the point of contact at the daycare and later on at the elementary school. And for four days a week, I was the lead parent. And truth be told, right when I started job sharing, my daughter was six months old. I was a freaking wreck when I went back to work after maternity leave. I went back Mm. five days a week and I was pumping and dumping and running and gunning and I could (laughs) not keep it together, Emily. I could not figure out how was I going to make this work? I mean, it was a nightmare just trying to get home by six o'clock to breastfeed and get her to bed and all of these things. And I felt like crap at work and crap at home. And I was not a person who was used to not bringing my very best right. to work or life. So I was like, this, I can't do this. I can't do this, right? When I started job sharing, the woman who owned my daycare, our director of our daycare, she said, I said, I need three days a week and I need it consecutive. Can you help me out? And she said, yes, I'll help you out. And she said, but I want you to take four days a week for daycare. And I said, no, 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 no. I love my baby. She is my world. Like I want to spend every moment with her. She said, Melissa, trust me, you can bring Iris to work. You can bring, you can bring her to the daycare or you can keep her home if you want to, or you can bring her here half a day. You can figure out what you want, but you're going to need that extra day for you. And it was the best piece of advice I ever got. My work had no idea that I had that day, (laughs) but I did. And that day became one of two things. It became my self-care day where I got to do whatever I wanted, whether that was scrapbooking, working out. I took acting. I used to be an actor. I took acting classes that happened to be like on a Tuesday afternoon. I love it. I was able, because of the job share, I would never, as a working mom of small children and a very uh, a very intense job, I would never have been able to volunteer for a nonprofit board. And I was able to volunteer with a reproductive health care organization that I was deeply Amazing. passionate about. My one concern, and this is a, a tough question around how this concept of job sharing relates to diversity and inclusion in the workplace too. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. My one concern is whether this is really just an option for certain classes of women. Is this only something that white collar executive workers have access to? Or could you see this being an option for women at all different ends of the socioeconomic spectrum? Like, what does that look like? I have thought about this. And I've thought about it in a couple of different areas, not only from socioeconomic, but also for people who have disabilities. And I really hadn't thought about it for the community of people who have differences until I heard from their parents. And their parents were like, this could be game changing for people who have differences because they need to work in a part-time capacity to take care of their health. And being able to retain 
maintain health insurance or benefits and have a partner that holds them accountable could really, really help. And I know I just kind of took that off track, but going back to, is this only for middle-class, upper-middle-class women, or could it be for women who are not in that class system? It is true to be able to job share, you do have to be able to take, it can work in any kind of job, right? And honestly, the misconception is, is that it's a clerical administrative type thing. Mm. And where it exists in the world right now, it's actually highly mid to senior level type jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it can it can exist in almost all kinds of jobs. But a person has to be able to take a percentage back in their in their right, uh, income right, to do right. it. Now negotiating and getting the benefits is very key and the ability to be able to be promoted and to work in a much more effective, productive way and to gain all the years with your employer and move up through the ranks because you're engaged, you're focused, you're there, they see the value in you. I have worked with single moms who've been on very tight budgets. Sure. And it has changed, I cannot tell you, it has changed their lives. And while it was tight and tough, those job share teams, if they have the ability to move up, especially if you're in any kind of a commission job, I mean, that's right, something right. That you can read back very quickly. And that doesn't have to be a white collar commission job. That can also be, there are many types of commission jobs out there. Sure. But yes, I can see your point completely because you do have to be able to take a cut to income in order to do it initially. And also to have the negotiating power, right? Mm -hmm. So to be, there's an element where the harder you are to replace, the more power you bring to this negotiation. And I wonder, part of what you're doing at WorkMuse that is so important, Melissa, is that you're helping everybody make the case by being a very vocal American, like the only American organization devoted to making this a real thing in our country. So tell me more about how you're making the public case for this and why it's such a a rare thing in America. So job sharing has been around since the 70s. It was actually originated out of a San Francisco husband-wife think tank in the 70s and has literally remained the rarest flexible work practice. In reality, it's not just a flexible work practice. It's basically a talent solution, almost keeping it in the flexible work realm, I think in some ways has left it off the table where people don't realize, oh, this is a talent resource. This is a way to retain and recruit valuable talent and have them work much like engagement, all those kind of really big goals that companies set where they're like, we want to make sure that people love working here. It's a talent solution. So part of the reason that it has stayed that way is because it's been gendered, as we discussed, parented, because it's typically somebody who hits a rock in a hard place, and that's typically a female, and it's typically a mom. And because it's been gendered and um, parented, it's been stigmatized. And because it's been employee-driven and not employer-driven with 
overall programs available to all employees, regardless of gender, parental status, or reason, it should be agnostic of reason, honestly. It should be for employees who want to work this way that are willing to take a percentage cut in exchange for time and who are good fit for the practice. And then it's paramount upon the organization to support those people, offer training and all that, which is where WorkMuse comes in. Unfortunately, there has never been training. That's the reason I created WorkMuse. When I looked into this, I thought I had job shared for almost nine years and it was amazing. I was ready to leave. I had eight managers in those nine, in those 10 years. That's how high turnover my business was. Four market VPs in those 10 years. And wow. yeah, it was crazy. Very high turnover industry. So when I was looking into the research, I was like, why hasn't this gone beyond where it's gone? Why is it staying in the 1% basically of people who job share? But it's been around for five decades. And really the reason was that there was a huge gap. There was no education, support, resources for employers or people who wanted to job share. There was no one to train them, no one to teach them how to create a successful job share arrangement, not only to make sure that it's right for them, find the right partner, but just to have the basics of the handover communication systems, the paradigm shift needed to work in a small team of two, how to support those stakeholders and help them understand very clearly and quickly how to work with your team. This is how you work with us. You might think it's complicated because there's two it's not. We over-communicate. We've got an airtight handover system, and we're here to support all of your needs. In fact, all of the stakeholders, I think it's something like 67% of managers and people who work with job share teams find it an overwhelmingly positive experience. Yeah. Because on top of their deadlines, ahead of their deadlines, they cover everything. It's just like having a super team. Right. At workmuse.com, you can read case studies that really illustrate that in such a powerful way. There you've got resources for both individuals who want to learn how to make the case to their employer, right? And employers, how you can help consult them and make sure job sharing is working for them and provide workshops and training and online training for individuals and coaching for individuals to make this happen in their lives. So I love what you've built. There's nothing like it that I have found out there. And I just think it's it's really important and incredible work. So for any of our listeners who want to learn more about how you can support them in making job sharing possible in their careers, what's the first thing they should do, Melissa? Well, the first thing that they should do is go check out the website, workmuse.com, sign up for the newsletter, sign up for the newsletter and join our Facebook community. We have a closed Facebook community and it's, it's small right now, but it's growing. And our goal there is to share job share opportunities. They're very hard to find to advertise, but when we find them, we put them there for you. Also, that job share group, that Facebook group is a units group, which means that we have connected lessons. So there are free lessons in there that are set up specifically to give you a better understanding of how job sharing works and also to connect with other people and possibly find someone who might be your job share partner. And then reach out to me. Reach out to me. You can email me directly, melissa at workmuse.com, M-E-L-I-S-S-A at workmuse.com. 
com and set up a consultation. Your first, your first consultation is free and that's to assess where you are in your life and if job sharing is a good fit for you. Your very first training is free because if you're ready, if it's right for you, then having somebody to guide you down that road, find the right partner, make the business case, pitch it, get it approved and have the best practices ready to set up your partnership to jumpstart your partnership from day one. That's my goal is to have you in a healthy, happy partnership. I love it, Melissa. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and expertise with our bosses today. And I also want to thank you personally for all the support you provided over the past few years in sharing Bossed Up's message, especially in Austin where you're based and helping get the (laughs) word out about the Austin book tour stop. It was so great to see you there. Yeah. Emily, I just want to take a moment to thank you. Really, you are such an authentic, incredible, passionate person. And you truly do lift as you rise. And I just want to thank you for being who you are, doing the work that you're doing. It's so valuable and so important. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hi, bosses. This is Annie from Tampa, Florida. I had a little bit of a conflict with a coworker about a week ago after she totally blew me off about a program that really relies on her involvement and the part of our organization that she oversees. And I totally blew up on her over email. I made the totally wrong decision to loop in her boss and my boss and HR without having a conversation with her first and ended up reaching back out a few days later after I heard from my boss that that was not quite the right move, especially with this particular coworker and did something that was so far out of my comfort zone, but set up a one-on-one with her and, and talked it through and was able to clear the air and learn a little bit more about some of the struggles that she was going through and things that we can relate to. And uh, we definitely came out of it with a much better understanding of each other and on the right foot to work together. So I totally screwed up, but I owned my mistake. I faced my fears and I dealt with it. So um, I was just excited and wanted to share. Annie, I am so appreciative of you calling in and sharing your authentic, real boss move this week. This is a really important thing to celebrate. And I so appreciate you calling it in because we don't celebrate enough when we can admit that we did something wrong and then move forward in rectifying it. Being a boss is not about being perfect. It's not about saying, here's the perfect script for how to react to a annoying coworker or taking the high road is always the easy and right thing to do. We're human beings. And your boss move this week reminds me that none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, but it's not the mistakes we make that define us. It's how we react to them. It's how we come back from them. And I think your boss move really illustrates not just the maturity, but the empathy that it requires to be a boss, right? To be a human who admits fault and then repairs relationships. So I want to challenge everyone who's listening this week to be like Annie and think about the next time you make a mistake or if you've made a mistake in the past and maybe damaged a relationship, what can you do this week to bring more humanity into how you respond 
to coworkers and conflict and people who you don't understand and you feel like don't understand you. How can we bring more empathy and understanding to try to find our way back to mutual respect? Because that's what it's all about. It's not about being liked. It's not about always liking everyone. It's about feeling respected and respecting others. That's the world I want to live in. So thanks for inspiring us to keep bossing and, and acknowledge when we're not right all the time and keep going anyway. So thank you. And now I want to hear from you, boss. What did you think of today's episode? What do you think of this whole concept of job sharing? Are you excited about this? Is this something you could see yourself doing in the future? Would your employer just laugh in your face if you asked to do something like this? What are your fears? What are the challenges you might face along the way? I want to hear about it. And I also want to invite you to join me in conversation one week from today all about how we all can win when our workplaces are more human, are more compassionate. And this is a special invitation for my San Francisco area bosses, because next Tuesday, July 9th at noon, I'll be sharing the stage with Michael C. Bush, the CEO of Great Place to Work, and R. Paul Herman, who's the founder of the Hip Investor Fund at the Commonwealth Club. The Commonwealth Club is right there on the edge of the bay in the Embarcadero neighborhood, and we'll be hosting a really interesting conversation all about why great workplaces are better for employees, investors, and society writ large. So if you or someone you know is in the Bay Area and wants to get a little bust up, join me there live. I'll also be signing books on site and you'll be able to pick up your own copy there thanks to the Commonwealth Club. Until next time, find all of today's corresponding show notes and weigh in in the discussion in the comments section at bossup.org slash episode 136 and share today's episode with the women or men or people in the world who you think could use it. Let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Jahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men, and it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are 
owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.